0: I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. On the show today, I've got Heidi Lasker. She's the Senior Vice President of Customer Success for the Americas and APAC at Binder, and she leads their global customer experience program. She manages Binder's support, onboarding customer success and customer experience teams. On the show today, we talk about Binder and content. They are a digital asset management tool and system and the explosion of content, what a good content operation looks like for a company. Then we switch gears and talk about customer success and the interplay with customer success and marketing and the rest of the organization and much more. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Heidi Lasker. Heidi,
1: welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Alan. It's, uh, really good to be here.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure we're going to get into a whole lot of fun business topics. But before we jump into that, I hear you had a, a DJ career, maybe a, a Current DJ career. Tell me more about this.
1: Yeah, no, uh, yes, that is true. I used to be a DJ and MC for weddings and bar and bat mitzvahs and corporate events, which then turned into being a DJ and backing vocalist for an all-female hip-hop group. A little bit different from where I am today, but I think uh, learned some some good life lessons and uh, from from that time of my life, and uh, and that prepared me for for where I am now. I think.
0: Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. And so you're you're no um, no novice behind the microphone. So uh...
1: I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I I remember being a little kid. For every like Hanukkah or birthday, I always wanted those. Um, I'll probably date myself, but I always wanted those microphones that would tune through the AM radio. I'm known to have a loud voice, so everybody wonders why I needed a microphone too. But uh, I guess we'll never know.
0: That's funny. That's funny. Did you have a DJ name too?
1: I did. Yes. It was. Uh, it was. DJ PJ, PJ.
0: So DJ PJ. I love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a fun time, but, uh, you know, it, it got to a point where I was, uh, spending, you know, a lot of Saturday nights with 13 year olds and, uh, it was no good for my social life. So I moved on from that.
0: <laughs> maybe retirement, maybe yes. retirement. Yeah.
1: <laughs> imagine that. <laughs>
0: All right. So DJ Life to now you are Senior Vice President for Customer Success at Binder. Tell me about the pathway that led you to, to Binder.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I've always been on customer-facing teams at tech companies. Um, when I started off uh, my career, there was no such thing as, as SaaS or customer success. And so it was a different time. And At a few different startups, I was the first customer facing role and and really was able to lay the foundation, build the processes and best practices and, and set up for growth. So the first time I did that was in the music tech space at a company called Sonic Bids that helped bands connect with music festivals and brands. So brands like Red Bull and Converse would run these campaigns with bands and they were sort of like an early version of influencer marketing. I was there for about twelve years, and you know, from there, I really wanted to make a change and, and get into marketing technology, uh, just because there was so much going on there. So, I spent a couple of years in SaaS, in SaaS mar tech companies, in the influencer marketing and data and analytics spaces before I got to Binder in twenty seventeen. Since then, um, you know, I started off pretty focused on managing the, the customer success managers in the U.S., but you know, over time between acquisitions, scale up growth, uh, changes to better align our teams internally. Now I oversee support, onboarding, and customer success for the Americas and APAC. And then we also recently added this customer experience function onto our team. So I have global oversight of that group too.
0: Well, let's talk about Binder as a company. Tell me a little bit about like how you describe what the company does today.
1: Yeah, so Binder is in the digital asset management space. Um, actually, earlier this year, we were named a leader in DAM uh, in the most recent uh, Forrester Wave, which was very exciting for us. So we have a DAM platform and a suite of products that help brands manage the full content lifecycle. So that's from upstream creation of assets to the management of assets through distribution of assets across channels and platforms. And we've always done this for creative assets, but a few months ago, uh, we acquired a company called Gather Content, and that was to help our our customers manage the content lifecycle for structured text content, too. Um, So we're really excited to see um, the way our customers will will benefit from that. But altogether, this is designed to enable collaboration, to drive brand consistency, uh, to help our customers work more efficiently, Speed up their time to market and ultimately help them deliver the best digital experience to their customers and to really stand out and compete in the marketplace.
0: I love that. And creative assets, uh, the world is changing. Like, how how have trends in the market kind of influenced where Binder's gone, if you
1: will? Yeah, no, that's a, a great question. So, Binder has really continued to evolve based on on the trends that we're seeing. So over the last couple of years, um, you know we've seen a lot of changes in consumer behaviors and much higher expectation for personalized, relevant content. Uh, we saw the world go from digital first to at some point early in the pandemic, digital only, and and that lasted a stretch of time. So you know that really accelerated digital transformation, and all of that has driven us into what we call the third wave of DAM and that's where the DAM has become mission critical because creative content has become mission critical. And it's about delivering personalized content at scale. It's about automation and having a connected ecosystem. And in that ecosystem, that the DAM becomes your system of record for all of your visual content so that you can automate content distribution across systems and channels. Um, so a lot of what we're doing is to support that and you can, you can see it in our partnerships and in our integration strategy and in the constant innovation and developments in our product roadmap.
0: Well, like you said, the, the trends are more content, not less. It just seems from a marketing landscape standpoint and where I work, content is exploding. You know, like it's, it's just taking on a life of its own. How should marketers be thinking about getting control of this and managing this whole asset effort, if you will?
1: Yeah, that's a a great question. So I think first, just uh, thinking about why content is exploding and again it's it's w- what I mentioned earlier it's customers have this much higher expectation but at the same same time they have these shorter attention spans so because of that there's a need for personalized relevant high quality and compelling visual content and that need is just more pressing than ever before and then you take the the d- different types of visual content that that can be you know served for to customers it's images videos virtual reality 360 degree product views and user generated content so then on top of that you need to make sure the content's delivered fast and that it's optimized for you know where customers are accessing it and on what device so this complicates you know the what brands need to think of how they create and deliver this personalized content at scale in a way that doesn't compromise their customer experience so This is why digital transformation has really accelerated. And, you know, I think marketers can really get control and and manage the content growth with an integrated marketing tech ecosystem, you know, with having a dam um, as a system of record for this visual content uh, rather than storing assets in, in multiple systems or, you know, the storage part of an adjacent technology and by having strong content operations, and that includes, you know, these tools and technologies that that help to manage the content lifecycle.
0: Yeah, I don't know how people, I, and I know they're still out there somewhere, but that how people would do this without a system. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I mean, it, I'm sure it happens, and it must be entire chaos. So I can definitely need, I see the need for a system of record and, and something to help. Corral all of these assets um, and and manage them. If nothing else, just to know what's what's approved and not approved, right? Like, I mean, because not only the finished assets, but like the process of creating them, and you know, and all the variations and versions that might permeate through a system as well.
1: Absolutely for for sure. I mean there's there's definitely this idea that you can your brand consistency can can really be impacted in, in the wrong direction and you know we hear we hear cu- customers talk about how they don't like to see their their logos in the wild which is like you know, someone from their company would rather Google their logo than, you know, then try to find the the most current one in, in some system when they don't have an effective way to, to store and manage assets.
0: Right. Right. That's, a, that's, I love that logos in the wild. You work with uh, customers every day, every week uh, on success of managing this process. And obviously with relation to binder, but like, what does a, quote unquote good content operation look like.
1: Yeah, I'd say a, a good content operation can actually look different at every company because content requirements can vary. You could have a, a content strategy that's around accessibility, on-brand content, SEO targeting, or you know, there's countless KPIs and ways to to kind of measure the effectiveness of your content strategy. So I think like one general thing I'd say is that if you're meeting your requirements for content at scale, you have a good content operation, but you know that, that might not be useful. Uh, so, if you're starting to think about your content operations, I think some things to keep in mind are: it's really the combination of processes, people, and technology that will enable you, enable you to manage the entire content creation lifecycle uh, in a way that supports an omni-channel go-to-market strategy. You know, there's so many different channels, there's so many different versions, and, and everything grows exponentially. So you really need to have that kind of support. On top of that, it needs to enable personalization, um, scale, automation, and speed of execution. And most importantly, it has to kind of all roll up to result in a customer experience that, you know, meets or even beats the customer's expectations and that keeps their attention. So, you know, if you have an effective content operation, you'll have faster, scalable, repeatable um, processes that result in, in better quality content. Produced in less time and, you know, and in regulated industries that content will stay in compliance.
0: Yeah. Now I want all of what you just said.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: No, I know it's not easy, but I, yeah. but all of that I want and, and, and more. So uh, that sounds great. It's, so, you know, related to your role as, as head of customer success, how how is customer success defined today? This is, I mean, I talk to marketers all the time on this show and on this program, but like customer success is strongly related to marketing. So I, I want to get your view on customer success. And how it's defined.
1: Yeah, I think that we've really seen an evolution with, with customer success. So I mentioned earlier that when I started my career, there was no such thing as, as customer success. So so back then you're you were in roles with titles like account management or client services. And then sometime you know after 2010, you you started hearing about customer success and you know, for me, I remember in 2015, I was working as a consultant on a project with a, a small uh, SaaS Martech startup. And I was kind of looking into their practices around how they manage customers. And it was around that time that I first remember hearing the customer facing team for SaaS companies consistently being called customer success. And with that, this was also the time you know, that we saw the emergence of practices like being more proactive and consultative of of driving adoption and value. And all of this really improved the customer experience and it was all rooted in driving outcomes for customers. So I think as the customer experience improved, again, here's the thing about customer expectations, they continue to grow. It's a theme around here, I think. And I think over the last couple of years, we've increasingly heard customer success and customer experience used interchangeably, even though customer success is one of a a number of inputs, inputs that impact the overall customer experience. So you know, customer experience and leadership titles and team names are really on the rise. And I think, I think the reason for that is it's to better contextualize what the core focus of the team is. And that's ultimately to create customer advocates and to deliver the best possible experience to customers.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And do you see an interplay, if you will, uh, between obviously customer success groups are delivering a huge portion of the customer experience itself, but do you think about those two things as like different. You talked about more proactive and consultative and I can just imagine customer success. I mean, when I first heard the term originally, this was date myself too. It was like making the systems work for you, like just learn how to use them. And I think now, um, you know, I'm being contacted by folks that I'm using systems related to and they're like, hey, we noticed you haven't used this feature. Let us tell you more about this because we think it might actually help you and bringing me ideas. So how do you see the interplay if you will, between customer experience and customer success?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that customer success is is one of a number of functions and parts of the company that, that roll up into this customer experience, right? Because on our team, you have you start, you know, you start your journey with Binder with our our onboarding team, or, you know, at least after you after you sign a deal with us. So you start with onboarding. Everyone knows that the experience at the very beginning is like sets the tone for like how your experience ends up being, how long you stay a customer.
0: Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So
1: that feeds into the customer experience. And then you're, you're handed over to, to customer success who aligns with you on what success is to you, how you want to work and and really brings it back to those outcomes and is constantly working with you. We have a support team as well who kind of is there to work in complement with customer success. Then there's the product itself. I mean the product itself has a huge part of the customer experience obviously and 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 then it's like your content and how customers are interacting with your business to, to get what they need. Like, are they coming to their customer success manager or are they going to the knowledge base? Are they going to the webinar? So are they you know, looking at a message in app? So there's a ton of different components that go into the customer experience. I mean, of course, customer success plays a major part in it because they're the face to the customer. There's so much outside of that, and that to me was the the reason why we formed this customer experience group um, in the beginning of 2021 because there was still so many untouched, unowned parts out there that needed oversight.
0: Well, it's a it's a lot of orchestration, just listing off the journey, if you will, that a customer goes through. So uh, yeah, a lot of interconnected pieces, and people have to make it go right. <laughs> totally.
1: I mean, it's it's. CX is is cross-functional in nature. So having strong cross-functional collaboration, coordination, and visibility are completely critical to, to doing this right.
0: Yeah. As you think about, you know, you're serving customers, that community grows over time. How do you think about this notion of community? Like, and how does it play a role in with your users and your customers?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So for as long as I can remember, our customers have asked for the opportunity to connect with each other and share best practices. It's just consistent, constant that's what they want. You know, it started for me four or five years ago. I went to my first live customer roundtable and you know we asked for feedback at the end, and that was the top request that we facilitate more peer-to-peer connections. And it's continued to be top feedback that we get all the time. So at first, we were doing things like creating programs to fulfill these requests, like we had a binder buddies program. Um, that we piloted and now we've like operationalized, but that's where we match customers uh, with each other based on their profile, their use case and answered to some qualifying questions. We did some virtual roundtables and had breakout rooms by topic with groups of customers and experts at our company talking together to connect with each other and share their experience and best practices. So it was only a matter of time until we introduced a formal community But I think it was seeing that so much of the last couple of years has been about community and helping each other and that supporting and building communities really helps gain customer loyalty and trust. And in the middle of last year, we just knew that this was the time. Like It it was just very obvious to us. That community and connections were more important than ever. So it became a priority. We put a plan in place to, to launch our community and decided it would live within our customer experience group with the goal of giving our customers a better place to meet, to build more meaningful and authentic connections and to really to really learn from each other and from our team. So we hired a, a community manager, we procured a community tool and we made a plan. Uh, supported by a number of teams and launched a beta program late last month. So we're super excited about all the potential there is here.
0: Oh, that sounds great. And, and you're living that people process systems <laughs> as you implement this new community too. That's, that's great.
1: Yeah. And it's, and one of the things like as a side note that I'm really, really excited about is the kind of data that you can collect from a community can, can really, really better inform go-to-market strategies and ultimately result in a better customer experience for your new customers as they come on board. So it truly is a virtuous cycle. And I'm just really looking forward to seeing how it, it grows and evolves.
0: Well, if you think about that customer success function, and I mean, there's so many interconnections with the rest of the company or the organization. How do you think about the connection points and, and those that are critical? Where does marketing play a role, if you will?
1: Yeah, it's a good good question. So mostly I think the customer journey needs to feel seamless and connected. A customer shouldn't know if something came from the marketing team versus CX versus product team in app, right? They should know it came from binder and, you know, the same goes for the channels. It shouldn't matter if it's in an email, in a webinar or in app, all the messages have to feel connected. So, you know, to me, step one is how you execute on this internally and and create that, you know, strong cross-functional collaboration and, and visibility and coordination. So, Our marketing team and our customer experience team meets frequently they make sure there's visibility internally about what each of the group's key initiatives is from within customer marketing, what's owned. In many cases, we see that there might be something owned by customer marketing or customer experience, and the opposite team is, is a key stakeholder in it. So those two teams are just really in lockstep and customer experience. You know, when we form the team, it could have sat anywhere in the company, like there, it could have sat in marketing. It could have sat in, in you know, customer success. It could have maybe even sat in product. So we ended up pick, putting it in customer success because we're so close to the customers. But I think just the idea that it it should sit uh, center to all of these groups and facilitate this, this cross-functional collaboration really makes it clear that there, there isn't a line between marketing and, and customer experience.
0: Yeah. It's all, it's, it's all one big spaghetti bowl.
1: <laughs> it is. And there's benefits and drawbacks to that. Right. And it's like, It's, it's like you want to, you want to define ownership, but you don't want to make too many things too hard and fast because you want to, you want to make sure that there's, there's a lot of collaboration because everybody at the end has the same goal across the whole organization. And that's to make sure that we have an industry leading customer experience, that we can maintain that personal high touch feel that our customers have known and love, but doing it at scale and without them noticing, you know, that there's a big difference as we grow. So I think with, with knowing that marketing, product, customer success and experience are all, aligned and pointed at the same direction to ultimately like have these raving fans who want to, you know, go talk about us in an authentic way. It makes it kind of easy to to coordinate and to want to, to be collaborative.
0: Yeah. No, it makes sense. Makes sense. Well, it's been fascinating to talk about customer success because we actually haven't covered that topic on the show before. And so um, this is a nice nice extension of the platform so to speak to talk about it we talk about marketing all the time but one of the things we love to do on this show is get to know the person behind the microphone a little bit better we already know you had a prior dj career dj pj so now you know i want to know you know has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today
1: yeah i mean i think it might be the the 14 years that I spent at overnight camp. And it's, it's not just because it was the the first place that I picked up a microphone that, that connected to a real PA or or because I DJed my first party there. It's because I think that nothing teaches you compromise, understanding teamwork, empathy, and the importance of relationships like being with the same group of people for two months while being away from your parents when you're a kid. Especially when I was a kid, all you had was letters by mail to stay in touch with the rest of the world. And, and I wasn't a great letter writer, so my <laughs> I kept my parents on their toes. But, you know, you really deal with so many different personalities, challenges, uh, you have to be flexible and adaptable. And I became a, camp, a counselor at the camp when I was old enough. And I think in a lot of ways, being a, a counselor is a really solid foundation for, for management and leadership. And just the atmosphere and growing up there kind of gave me this confidence that that helped shape me into who I am today.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. And um, I mean, two months at a time, that's a, that's a lot.
1: <laughs> it's aggressive. And like, I don't know, I can't even imagine like my nieces go to the, the same camp or have gone on to the same camp now. And it's like a, a different place. They, they put albums of pictures up on online every day. And I'm like, how do they make sure the kids don't sneak phones in and stuff like that? So like way different issues uh, than what we had when I was a kid.
0: That's funny, that's funny. Well, uh, if you were starting this journey of life and career all over again, what, what advice would you have for your younger self?
1: I definitely would say, don't be afraid to ask for help. I think a lot of people see it as a sign of weakness. So they agonize and deliberate on their own and just have those thoughts roll around in their head. And I used to be a lot like that. But now if I don't know something, I just ask. And it's okay to be a little vulnerable. Um, actually, I think it's good because it makes you human and, and relatable. So yeah, that's what I, I wish I had known earlier on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Is there a topic that you're trying to learn more about these days? Either it could be marketing, it could be anything related. I'm just curious. Or things you think so, other people should learn more about in general.
1: Yeah, I think both for myself in learning and what I think you know, market, marketers should be learning is social responsibility uh, why it's important, how to cor- uh, incorporate it in, in a really meaningful and authentic way. Because with so much going on in the world, being ethical, inclusive, and socially responsible, and being transparent to, to customers really, really matters. I think customers, and consumers, care what a company stands for more than they ever have before. So it can really, you know, be a, a pretty critical part of of the the reputation and and you know the the ability to to make connections
0: with consumers. No, I I totally agree. Everything uh, we were talking about camps and kids sneaking cell phones in. I mean, there's a cell phone everywhere you go, right? Like, so if you're a brand and you're not doing something you should be doing or something's not quite the way it should be, you're going to know about it. Beyond damage is the right thing to do. But I agree with you. I think I think social responsibility is an untapped area for marketing to, to look into. Well, uh, two more questions, a little bit more on the marketing side. Hope you don't mind. But on a personal front, are there like brands or companies or causes that you follow or you think other people should be taking notice of?
1: I think one that really comes to mind is, is definitely New Balance. I just love the transformation or even the revival of that brand. You know, for a long time, they had a, a reputation for making ugly dad shoes and it didn't help, you know, when they had some political controversies a few years back, but they've done everything right. You know, they, they have a, a strong brand and marketing strategy, a good mix of sponsorships and collaborations and, you know, being positioned as a challenger brand in the space, being authentic. I think that old reputation has really faded and I don't know if I'm if I'm if this will have credibility if I'm cool enough but I think that they're one of the coolest lifestyle brands around. I always look forward to what exciting, you know, collaborations and exclusive releases they have on the horizon. I've definitely bought like the the New Balance by J or J Crew by New Balance or whatever the other way around. Um, you know, shoes that they make special for J Crew. So, you know, the other thing is they're local to Boston and they have a physical presence that you can see from the mass pike and I've also watched that continue to grow and evolve. Um, so as, is kind of the part of the whole, whole thing. So I think they're pretty fascinating to, to, you know, to keep an eye on. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've driven past that building before many times in my career. I'll have to check out the. didn't know about the collaboration with Jake Crew. I have to check that out. See what that's about. Well, uh, last question for you. What do you feel like is either the largest opportunity or threat facing marketers today?
1: Yeah, I think it's. I'd say that the, it's the the power or, or impact that the right technologies can have on the end consumer experience. It's it's really a lot about what we talked about earlier. If you're not already going through. That digital transformation, you risk being left behind or unable to compete. And I think, you know, for some people, it may be overwhelming or difficult to make a connection of like, where do you begin? But if you want to like simplify it and say some, you know, like a simple example I always think about is faster page load times result in lower bounce rates and better SEO. Know, but better SEO drives more traffic. More traffic turns into sales. Then you know you need technology to support faster page load times, like optimized images. So I think simply just understanding that impact that technology has and, and building that integrated ecosystem, you know, that we talked about earlier to keep up with that explosion in, in content um, needs needs is um, really really critical. And um, you know, ultimately, it's it's important for for brands so that they can stay relevant and and compete in today's economy. So I think just be curious about technology and how it can help.
0: Well, Heidi, thank you so much for coming on the show and and enlightening us on all things customer experience and customer success.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was fun and uh, really, really uh, grateful that, that you had me on.
0: Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com There, you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more